Thank you. That was wonderful. Wonderful. Psalm 46. The 46th Psalm. It's addressed to the chief musician. A psalm of the sons of Korah. The sons of Korah were a company of priests, members of the tribe of Levi, who were related to music. A song for Alamoth. Alamoth uh, means sopranos. Uh, Some people think it's a song for women to sing. So with that being, let's begin. Verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, Selah. Selah means stop and let the music play. It means refrain. It means think about what you've just read. So let's do that. Let's think about it. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Even though, The earth is removed. Even though the mountains of the earth are carried in the midst of the sea, even though the earth's waters roar and trouble and the mountains shake with the swelling of the waters, we will not fear. Why? Because God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. So having sea lot, let's go on. Verse 4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. 
God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged, the kingdoms were moved, he uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. So let's pause again. Even though there's all this chaos in the world, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy place of the dwelling place of the Most High, this river is. It's the river of His Spirit, the river of His presence, the river of His Word, the river of His provision, the river of His will that makes glad the city of our God. Now, Jerusalem in Israel is a metaphor for the nation of God. It's a metaphor for the community of God. And there is a river even there now communicating with people and encouraging people, even though the world all around them, surrounding nations, want to destroy them, want to wipe that that nation off the face of the earth. But here's a promise. God's going to show up just in the nick of time, at the break of dawn. Even though the nations rage, God's going to speak and things are going to begin to melt. That same God, verse 7, is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Now, we know him as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Abraham was a man of faith, and Isaac was a promise, the man of promise. But Jacob was a man who was converted. I mean, he didn't start out so great. He was a manipulator. His name meant supplanter. He ripped his brother off. He A lot of things. But he had an encounter with the angel of the Lord, and it changed him. God gave him a new name, Israel, which means prince with God, or one who has prevailed with God. He became honest with God and his life began to be transformed. Yet God continues to reveal himself through the scriptures as the God of Jacob. That gives hope to us all. He is our refuge. Even though you may have a past you're not proud of. He is your God. And he is your refuge. Verse 8. Come, behold, or look at the works of the Lord. Now, we have to read this next through the eyes of faith. Who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns a chariot in the fire. I guess I'm doing the selah right now. So we're to behold God's works, and this is the things he's going to do. We don't see it yet. Wars are not ceasing. But we're promised they're going to cease to the end of the earth. Peace is going to reign. Weapons will be destroyed. But in the meantime, what are we to do? Verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Think about it. Meditate upon this. Be encouraged by this. Speaking to you today on the phrases from the first part of verse 10, be still and know that I am God. I will be, may not be now, but I will be 
exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you'd speak to us from your word in such a way that changes our thinking. Lord, I ask for for you to do more than to modify our behaviors. Lord, I ask you to renew our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. We're in a series the last few Sundays about knowing God. We've talked about knowing God personally, talked about knowing God in prayer, knowing God in Scripture, knowing God in hardship. Last Sunday we talked about knowing God in worship. Is it important to know God? I think so. Daniel said, those who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Why was he able to do what he did? He had a relationship with God. He knew God. The Westminster Shorter Catechism. Now, that's a liturgical denomination, the Anglican Church. This is their weeks and weeks of classes condensed in one phrase. And it is this. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. So it's all about knowing God. J.I. Packer said, once you become aware that the main business that you are here for is to know God, most of life's problems fall into place of their own accord. The mystic Brother Lawrence wrote, let us occupy ourselves entirely in knowing God. The more we know Him, the more we will desire to know Him. The well-known German pastor who took a stand against Hitler wrote, while it is good that we seek to know the Holy One, it is probably not so good to presume that we ever complete the task. So knowing God is a process. It's a journey. It's a life of knowing God. Sunday at Elijah, who at one time pastored the largest church in Europe, in the Ukraine, even though he was from Nigeria. That's a miracle thing. He wrote, as knowing God becomes more important to you, you will stop thinking about discouragements and persecutions. You will stop worrying altogether. Syrian mystic known as St. Isaac of Nineveh wrote, silence will illuminate you and God and deliver you from phantoms of ignorance. May God give you an experience of this something that is born of silence. So our subject today is knowing God in silence. Just kidding. I was supposed to say, my subject today for the next 30 minutes is knowing God in silence, and then I was going to go sit down. (laughs) Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth, Psalm 46.10. That's known as the New King James Version translation of the Hebrew. The basic Bible translation renders as follows. Be at peace in the knowledge that I am God. I will be lifted up among the nations. I will be honored through all the earth. The Good News Translation 
says, stop fighting, he says, and know that I am God, supreme. God's word translation says, let go of your concerns, then you will know that I am God. The Message Bible is not a translation, it's a paraphrase. For Psalm 46.10 it reads, Step out of the traffic. Take a long, loving look at me, your high God, above politics, above everything. The New American Standard says, Cease striving and know that I am God. The New Century Version Reads, be quiet and know that I am God. We're talking about knowing God in silence. Richard Rohr, in his blog entitled Finding God in the Depths of Silence, writes, words are dualistic. Words distinguish this from that and that from this. But silence has a wonderful ability to not need to distinguish anything. It can hold things together in a quiet embrace. Loving silence can remain with mystery and stay with tensions and live with contradictions and smile at paradoxes and leave things unresolved and happily so. Because it's silent. Any good poet knows this, as do masters of music. Politicians, engineers, and most Western clergy have a much harder time embracing silence. Let me ask you, what is music? Is it sounds, or is it the space between the sounds? It's both. If you take the silence out of music, it becomes hard to listen to, just harsh noise, but it's the breathing, it's the silence, it's the space between all the various volumes that allow music to be what it is. Silence is what surrounds everything. If you look long enough, silence is the space between letters, numbers, words, and paragraphs that makes them decipherable and meaningful. You ever had to read something that's lengthy and it's not written in paragraphs? Hard. As a general spiritual rule, our egos need words. But the soul needs silence. The ego prefers answers, clarity, certitude, perfection, undeniable conclusions, whereas the soul prefers the subtle, and by that I mean the real interior silence, not just the absence of noise. More than ever, because of iPods, cell phones, billboards, TVs, Roku, Goku, Go-Go, Gigo, iPods, we are a toxically overstimulated people. Only time will tell the deep effects of this on our emotions, our maturity, our relationships, our communication conversations, and even faith. Silence now sometimes seems like a luxury. 
But it's really not a luxury as much as it is a choice and a decision at the heart of our spiritual discipline and growth. Talking about knowing God in silence. Stillness is a command. Be still and know that I am God. Psalm 46.10. Psalm 4.4. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Selah means don't jump on to the next verse, but stop there for a while. Be silent. Let it speak to you. Listen. Quietness is a blessing. Look at this blessing. God speaks in Isaiah 30, verse 15. In returning and rest you shall be saved, and quietness and confidence shall be your strength. But you would not. How many blessings has God sent our way because we wouldn't hush, we missed out on them. Isaiah 32, 18. My people will dwell in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in quiet resting places. Can we say quietness is a blessing? Do you get nervous when things get quiet? No, don't, don't. A man of understanding, being quiet is a wisdom thing. A man of understanding holds his peace. Another proverb says, even a fool is considered wise if he is quiet. And when he purses his lips, he's considered to be perceptive. The old cowboy said, better to be quiet and be considered a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. <laughs> he who has knowledge, Proverbs 17:27, spares his words, and a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. Lamentation 3.26, it is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. In the early days of our marriage, I had a lot to learn. (laughs) Yvette learned the power of silence. And I would consider she's giving me the silent treatment, and I hated it. But in reality, she wasn't punishing me. She was just getting out of God's way. So I would finally, in an attempt to get her to talk, see my error, repent, and make things right. It's a wise thing to be silent. Silence is how we listen to God. Psalm 62.1 says, Truly, my soul silently waits For God, from Him comes my salvation. If you, as a believer, get an opportunity to speak somewhere, never turn that down. Never. Say yes. And then go pray. All right, Lord, what what would you have me to say? And be silent for a while, and His Spirit will bring to your remembrance what you need to share at that occasion. In this room are future pastors in the making. You'll never see fulfillment of that if you don't start saying yes to opportunities to speak that come your way. And learning to be silent, he gives you things to say. How do you think I get up here every week? 
by shutting up and being quiet. Verse 5, my soul, he's telling his soul, wait silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him, not from my much speaking, but from him. Anybody need some silence? Could you spare some change? This is just how busy we are. This picture says a lot. Here they are in an amazing art gallery, a Rembrandt behind them. Are they enjoying the beauty of that? I'm sure there's other paintings on other walls, but here these students are, and probably parents, transfixed on their screens. Yes, but aren't they being quiet? Yes, but there's a whole lot of noise going on. They're communicating. They're missing out on life's beauties. How to enjoy knowing God through silence. I really want this to be a practical sermon, give you some how-tos. This is not a recipe. This is not do this, that, and the other. But if you apply any of these, something will happen in your life, and you'll enjoy it. How to enjoy knowing God through silence. Is your Christian life fulfilling to you? Is your faith regenerating you? Is coming to worship just something you do to do the God thing? Is the best thing out of church when it's over? That rush you get when the sauna is over? Is it like that? <laughs> if it is, here's the, here's the key to seeing transformation happen. Choose a regular time and place. Where are you going to be silent before the Lord and when? Choose it. For some, the start of the day before all the unexpected interruptions happen is important. For others, the end of the day is important to clear your mind so you can actually sleep. For some, the middle of the day, you're such a multitasker, you're able to just clear your head and be silent. It could be in your house, could be in your closet, could be in another church, could be in a hallway somewhere, could be in your vehicle. But choose that time and that place and commit to it regularly. Well, Pastor, I don't have hours for this. We're not talking hours. It could become hours. We're talking minutes. Mute all other forms of communication. They can wait. How did they live 20 years ago without all this immediate ways of getting a hold of us? Well, what if there's an emergency? Well, what if the sky falls? We have to live life without being afraid of what ifs all the time. Just mute them all. When texting first came out and I would get inspired and want to text things, I learned real quick, don't do that to people in the middle of the night. No, no, no. But I tell you, it's gotten that way with emails. When emails have been around for years, you know, you could get inspired, write a great email and broadcast it to the world, you know, send it to all your contacts. You don't want to do that anymore because people let their emails wake them up and then they even let in their Facebook posts wake them up. Oh, what, did they like my picture? Let me wake up, you know. Like, come on. Lord, help us. Be quiet for a while and enjoy the silence. Why? Because it's fixing to be noisy. What we're talking about here will strengthen you against temptation. You don't know what temptations you face each day. 
And this builds your spiritual strength to resist those things that would distract us or not be good for us. Come before God with some thanksgiving. Think of things that you're thankful for. This can lift your spirits, adjust your attitude. You know, some people suffer from a hardening of the attitudes. They need a checkup from the neck up. Read something inspiring, something that's true. Read the scriptures. Well, I don't like to read. Well, you can at least read a page. Feed your mind or listen to something. And then think about what you've read or heard and how it applies to your life. And be on guard against, oh, how this applies to somebody else. Somebody needs to hear this. I'm going to get the tape and mail it to them. No, how does it apply to me? Don't get ripped off by thinking about others. This is your time with your God. Pray your petitions, the things that you have need of. Pray specifically. And then pray open-ended prayers. What is an open-ended prayer? It's a prayer where you don't know the answer. Like, what do I do here? Or, why am I going through this again? Or, or where is the solution? Or, how, how can I respond? Um, what is your will for me today? And then just wait. And His Spirit can bring to your remembrance things you may already know or inspire you with something you've never thought of before. Include Salem moments during this process, before, during, and afterwards. Just wait and reflect on what you've just read. Read it again. Have paper to write down important impressions. You don't want to forget this time. Take it seriously. Get yourself a good-looking notebook. Stop writing on scraps of paper that just get in the way and you wind up pitching them. Why should God speak to you if you're going to throw it away? You know, we're not talking about addition to Scripture. We're talking about things that are based on the Scripture. While concluding, plan your next quiet time. All right, when am I going to do this again? Plan it. If you don't make a plan, a failure to plan is a plan for failure. Pastor, isn't this new age? Isn't this Eastern mysticism? Isn't this Eastern religion? Well, i got news for you. Christianity is Eastern religion. But I know what you're thinking, what you're talking about. This is not focusing on the process. You remember back in the 70s, the hippies got all excited about TM, Transcendental Meditation. It was all about the process of meditating, emptying your mind. No, this is about filling your mind. This is not the process. This is the person of God, your relationship. You had a radio for every role in your life. There's a parent radio for your role as a son or daughter. There's a husband or wife radio, and maybe a child radio, or two or three. There might be an in-law radio for your role as a daughter-in-law or son-in-law. There's a volunteer radio for your role in the neighborhood or with the community group. There's a work radio, a social life radio, an entertainment radio, even a faith radio. We determine which one has the highest volume. Though there are times when someone cranks up one of our radios and is blaring in our ears. Like a rebellious daughter, a demanding parent, 
or an impending deadline. Some of us are disciplined enough to manage our radios, controlling the volume from one to the next. Some of us are skilled enough we can even multi-hear and pay equal attention to more than one radio at a time. Sometimes, though, we get distracted. Sometimes, one radio gets more tuning into than the others. While some radios simply require more attention at times than others. Some of us even bring a radio home with us. And sometimes it feels as if they're all running at the same time, growing louder and louder. That can be confusing. Your energy gets drained. Voices blur together, and we're left asking, which one am I supposed to listen to most? We ask, which one gives me the right direction? And so we stop. And we listen for that guiding voice that says, be still. In conclusion, on the subject of knowing God in silence, what do you do when God seems to be silent? You know, when the river of God's inspiration seems to have dried up for you, what do you do? Now, we know God has always spoken through the Word. You can read the Word, but it's not being illuminated for you. It's not jumping off the page, proverbial speaking. What do you do? Well, examine your personal life and your relationships. Um, there's a verse in First Peter that says, Husbands, dwell with your wives in an understanding manner that your prayers may not be hindered. In the law of Moses was a curse that said the result of this curse is heavens will become as brass to you. By examining your personal life and examining your relationships, you're seeing if there's any sin there. Anything Sin divides us from God and from one another. And that's one reason why the Son of God hung between heaven and earth for the sins of the world to be atoned for, redeeming us from those things that separate us from heaven, us from God. And he was stretched out for the sins that separate us from each other. So he paid that price. So it's important to him. And if he went through such extremes to do that, to lay down his life for us, he expects us to get things right. So maybe he's saying to you, repent. Confront known sin in your life and repent. Turn from your sin, ask for forgiveness, and turn from it. It's a change of mind. It's repent. In England, when the soldiers are marching in one direction and the commander is about to say about face, like they say here, you know, do a 180. In England, they say repent. They do a 180. So do a 180 from those things that you realize are in error. Why should God speak to you if you're in rebellion to what he has spoken Remember and apply what he has said already. Maybe you have experienced inspiration in the past. What did he tell you to do? What application did he reveal to you? And you haven't done it yet. Well, I don't like that. Next. This is not a cafeteria here. This is a relationship. I'm talking to myself. 
Humbly stand in your God-given righteousness. Now here's the beautiful thing about the good news of Jesus. Is he died for our sins so that we could be forgiven. But he didn't stop there. He arose from the dead and gave us his righteousness as a gift. Forgiveness is like paying a debt. So let's say we were in great debt. There's a huge deficit in our account. Now we've been brought to zero balance. That's forgiveness. Isn't, that, isn't it wonderful to be forgiven a debt? He didn't stop there. Not only is our deficit gone, but now we have a credit called the righteousness of God. He became sin for us, Paul wrote, that we might become the righteousness of God. So from indebtedness to accreditedness. If you come to him all cowed down, all condemned because of your past, why should he talk to you and confirm that position? That's not a position for hearing God. Well, I'm a no good, sorry for nothing, wretched sinner. Obviously, if I need to repent, I repent, receive his forgiveness. Then stand up like a man, stand up like a woman and say, Father, I need to hear from you today. I need for you to illuminate your will for my life today. I need confirmation on what I'm supposed to do and the decisions I'm facing. But if you're like, oh, I'm just a woe, wee, mealy worm, if he comes and talks to you at that level, then you think that's the ritual you have to take every time. Well, it used to work. Well, maybe as a baby believer, he did relate to you at that level. But he expects you as you mature in him to begin to walk in who you are in Christ. You can hear him at that level. Years ago, I had some people kind of turn against me in the church. You know, this happens in the church and in the world. Maybe you've, I've had people turn against me on the job and want me fired and all that. It just happens. But if you let that stuff get to you, you'll get all cowed down, and you'll think God's confirming it because he's being silent. Oh, you poor baby, I love you. You're wonderful. Don't let those people lie to you. No, he expects you to stand up and say, this is a bunch of crap. I know what the truth is. Now, Lord, what is your will for me today? And help those who are misunderstanding me or help those who are on the war path to tear me down just because they don't understand. Just do that. But humbly stand. It's not a prideful thing. It's an awesome thing he's given you. Back in the war in Rhodesia, they would tell the soldiers, keep your chin up and your head down. Keep your chin up mean keep a good attitude, but keep your head down because people are shooting at you. So stay humble, but stand. And see this silent period as an opportunity to exercise your faith. What is faith? What, where is our need for faith if you are hearing God all the time? Well, God goes to some people's house for coffee every day. I don't believe that. If he did, maybe he needed to, but it's not going to be every day because there's a place for faith in this. And then move forward with continuing your quiet time. Just go deeper. Go more. And finally, know those who wait on the Lord will be blessed. Listen to this promise. Isaiah 40, verse 28. Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord... The creator of the ends of the earth neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord 
shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What to do when God seems silent? Wait on him. When God is silent, he may be emphasizing the last thing he spoke to you. That last word that you heard, that last thing your wife told you was from God, or that last thing your husband hinted at was from God. And so he's underlining that by just being silent. Or it may be, get ready, because a word is coming that's going to be life-changing. Wipe off the chalkboard. Wipe it, clean off the whiteboard. Here comes something that's life-changing. In the prophecies about Christ's death, Psalm 22, it's written in the first person. Everything you went through on the cross is there. And Isaiah 53, written prophetically, it alludes to him being quiet, being silent. And in the Gospels, in telling this story, talks about him being quiet when he was accused. And it's referred to later on in the New Testament, the fact that he was quiet when, he, when accused. He was being quiet so that he would die. If he spoke, angels would have responded, or if he spoke, they would have backed off. Because his words were powerful. He could do it. He had the ability. But he did not speak because he was giving himself as an offering. But I dare say he was also silent because what he was about to say was going to be huge. The empty tomb. Three days later, the word of that is still spreading around the world. Knowing God in silence, what is God saying? What is he about to say? Are you growing in your relationship with him? Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And ask that your word would reign supreme in each of our lives. Take us deeper and further and higher than we ever thought in our spiritual walk. Help our personal relationship with you to become so real that worries disappear. That stress subsides. And that certainty is increased because we hear from you. Make us people of that inaudible, eternal voice of God. Your voice, Lord. May all that we say and do reflect what you are saying to our families, to our neighbors, to 
this congregation and other congregations, and Lord, even to atheists and Muslims, Lord. Everywhere we go, Lord, may we have words of life to share. And I pray, Lord, if we've been receiving words from other frequencies through things we're reading or things that we're indulging in, Lord, that we would filter those things out, make us accurate people as your representatives. In Jesus' name. like to receive prayer about anything as we stand you're invited to come on down and receive prayer may the lord god almighty yahweh himself jehovah god bless you and keep you may he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you may he lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace his shalom peace that comes from wholeness his integrity and his victory and may you be still where you've been getting rattled and may you be strong where you be weak and may you be silent where things have been too noisy God bless you thank you for worshiping with us today go get them tigers don't miss this opportunity to receive prayer amen Pastor Shane Of our God, there is a river whose streams make.